My father was hell-bent on getting me to go to Harvard Law School like he had done when he was a kid. My father tried to get me to go right after I graduated high school. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time. Your mother and I found this to be rather important. You finished high school. Thank God. <laughs> now it's your time to do good. This rebellion thing you're going through, I, I, I understand it. Not completely, but uh, I respect it. Now you should think about what is right for you. I mean, be free, darling. Always. Yeah, you, be practical, Steve. You got a chance to go to Harvard. You got me as an alumnus that can't yeah, but hurt. But only if it makes you happy. Look, if you want to rebel there, you can do it. I was there, I went to Woodstock. Me and the guys had a lot of fun. We did our, did our thing there. We, we, we got behind some causes, though. We, we fought for some very strong causes. We ended, collectively, we ended that goddamn war in Nam so that guys like you could be free. There's all these possibilities for you, Stephen. Carry the torch now, okay? I can see by looking at you that you're ready. Proud of the fact that you're a, an individual. Very proud. So proud. One thing, uh, this may not be easy to hear, but the hair. Maybe tone it down a bit. The whole thing that you're doing. In my day, it was, you know, hair, long hair, beatniks, paisley, you know, that stuff. And uh, not liked, that kind of thing. This whole thing you're doing, this uh, statement about the American Indian you're doing, I'm baffled. And, and not just me. I mean, I'm saying regular guy in the street is going to be baffled, too. And we're hip, we're cool. It's just those guys on the East Coast are never going to get it, you know, with that. They're, they're not going to get this in New York, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus, <laughs> darling, we sound like our parents. Yeah. <laughs> It's difficult, dear. We just want to support you. 100%. Take the ball and run with it. Make a difference. But always with love. Remember that, Stephen. Always with love. Oh, oh, time out. I just want to ask uh, real quick, if I can. Um, you believe in rebellion, freedom, and love, right? Absolutely. Rebellion, freedom, yes. love. <laughs> you two are divorced. So love failed. Two, mom, you're a new age of clinging to any kind of scrap of Eastern religion that may justify why the above said love failed. Three, dad, you're a slick, corporate, preppy-ass lawyer. I don't really have to say anything else about you, do I, dad? Four, you moved from New York City, the mecca and hub of the cultural world, to Utah. Nowhere to change nothing, more to perpetuate this cycle of money, greed, fascism, and triviality. I mean, your movement of the people, by the people, and for the people got you nothing. You just hide behind some lost sense of drugs, sex, rock and roll. Oh, kumbaya. I am the future. I am the future of this great nation which you, Father, so arrogantly saved this world for. Look, I, I have my own agenda. Harvard out. University of Utah in. I'm gonna get a 4.0 in damage. I love you guys. Don't get me wrong. It's all about this. But for the first time in my life, I'm 18 and I can say, fuck you!
find out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. To the Cinema Nine Podcast. Woo! It's a pleasure to have you here. My name is Michael Govier. I'm along here with Travis Roy, Eric Branstrom, and we're back to full capacity here in terms of the show regulars. Last week, Luke Horbeck stepped in for me. Thanks, Luke, for doing that. The Blood Diner episode, which was a delayed in podcast form, but it is now available. I put it out yesterday uh, due to a series of complications. Uh, either way, the video form, which I caught in real time for a few minutes while I was in Arizona, which was great. And uh, yeah, we're going to do a classic film from 1998. Or is it a classic? Or is it trash? We'll find out. 1998's SLC Punk with Matthew Lillard. But first, as always, you guys can hit us up on social media. Contact us through Cinema9Pod at ProtonMail.com. Travis Roy, uh, how was last week's show and where are we now? Um, last week's show went good. It was, it's always a pleasure to have Luke on. Uh, he was, he was a good person to, to be able to, you know, uh, digest some of the, uh, the political aspects of blood diner. I was not expecting maybe, Uh (laughs) but it was definitely very much appreciated. I'm really having a hard time still not calling it blood diamond. Every time I just want to call the movie blood diamond. Mm -hmm. I think I did it a couple of times during the show, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it it, it was, it was great having him on and, uh, it's, it's been a week. (laughs) It's been a week. It has been seven days. It has been a red dawn. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, I I went to Arizona last week. That was fun. And I yeah. hope you guys had a great show together. Eric, when I was listening to the show, me and Leanne put the show on. We were actually driving at the time, but we put the show on in real time on YouTube, which you guys could always watch on YouTube live in real time anytime. You can sub our channel, give us a like. That helps the show grow. Of course, five star review on Apple Podcasts is another way you can do that. But the entire time we were watching, it was about five minutes because we were going to a store. And I didn't hear Eric say a word. Eric, I didn't hear you. Did you talk on last week's episode? That may have been during the uh, eight-minute-long uh, thesis statement on the transgressive nature of uh, schlock cinema, as given to us by the great Lou Korobeck. I tried to stay <laughs> quiet on that one because uh, I didn't have any input. But, you know, I'm back. And if it wasn't for this goddamn Peacock Premium subscription I have now that I can't figure out how to get rid of, I would be feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh, I think you like, you know, hit the star button on your remote or something. I don't know. Could someone walk us through this? <laughs> Is there any young people that can tell us how the internet works? How do I cancel yeah. all of my streaming services? <laughs> hmm. uh, I don't have Peacock, so I can't help you. And Normally, uh, I just go to the website of the play and I go to my account and I try to find the cancel subscription. I wouldn't do it on the actual streaming service and the tv that would be my gotcha. best guess all right that's a something i might recommend but hey who knows uh, yeah you know it was it was weird uh this is my first show i ever missed doing the show so that's true it was, it was. i'm proud to say that i am now the only podcast host of the cinema nine to be on every single episode i'm real proud of that fact. that is all yours buddy congratulations i own it, I own it. you do it's all yours and it was 
was nice to, uh, you know, traveling was going to be a curiosity for me. I haven't traveled, haven't flown on a plane since I lived with you, and that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. I actually had to take the bus when I, <laughs> I missed my flight. I got off a flight. I was actually on the flight in that time, and I asked the stewardess, that. stewardess, oh boy, sorry guys, flight attendant, if I could get off, she said, sure, honey, Come on, and like she let that. me get off, so... Uh, but I did fly back on that flight in Philly, but I hadn't flown since. And having Leanne there was a big help. Uh, still, if she hadn't been there, I'm pretty sure I would not have gotten on the flight because <laughs> it was a lot of buildup. But on the flight yeah. back, I really did much, much better. I felt the... Uh, we, <laughs> I think something happened that day. I have to tell the story because it's so bizarre. Tell, tell the story. You hopefully saved a man's life, I think. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. Uh we were trying to go hiking on the Monday after this. I was at a baseball conference. That was the main reason we had gone. Nerd fest galore. Four days of just baseball nerdery. And on the Monday, we were like, oh, let's go hiking. We're in Arizona. There's some quality hiking here. And we went over to this place that we tried to. My brother recommended Camelback Mountain, which is in the Phoenix area, in Paradise Valley. And we're like two blocks from the actual mountain. We're going to pull in and park and do our thing. And all of a sudden, this old woman comes running out with her hands waving like, ah, ah. So we slam on the brakes, and uh, she's to the right of me. I'm driving, and I, she's coming out of a side street, and she's like, can you please help me? Can you please help me? And Leanne's like, uh, okay, what's happening? And she's like, my husband fell down. We could look down the side street about 50 yards, and this guy's just laying there in the street on the side of the road in the dirt, and he's not moving. And it's like, oh, shit, that's intense. So we sprung into action. Uh, Leanne helped the woman. The woman was very frantic. She was in her 70s. She was mm -hmm. a little bit older. and she, I mean, she was terrified. And uh, I called 911 right away. I, I don't think I've ever... I don't know if I've ever called 911, um, like, legitimately. <laughs> that I, can rec I don't recall a time when I called 911, like, hey, I need help, or someone needed help. I don't know if you guys have ever done that either. How it's not something you do very often. How, how fast were they? I mean, I called them once they showed up. Never. So. Oh, is, is this in Philly or somewhere else? That was in Brighton, Michigan. Huh. <laughs> and they were needed? Yeah, until until they weren't anymore, but it didn't matter because they, they didn't show up. Wow. <laughs> I, was, I was witnessing like a fight in the parking lot, but this is your story. You tell your That's story. bizarre. Yeah. That seems strange to me. It, uh, was, it was very strange. But yeah, they showed up in like four minutes, so I'll give them credit for that. They, they, I, I talked to a lady for like four minutes. They probably got there at five. And the lady was telling us, hey, uh, is he, what's he doing? You know, it was standard procedure. And the guy was like bleeding out of his mouth and ears, but he hadn't hit his head. I thought he hit his head initially. And that's why we were trying to apply pressure to a wound that didn't exist. And anyways, everybody showed up. They took the guy away and we drove this lady to her house. And then Leanne really? drove her car. We don't know this woman at all. <laughs> and they followed me to the hospital. And then we left her there, hopefully. And we got an update uh, yesterday. The guy actually went home. And it turns out he had a massive seizure, but was unclear why. But he was okay enough to go home. So did you have? We, uh, a... They said that the fact that he got oxygen so quickly from the paramedics may have been a big help. So if that's, hey, that's a good great. thing, that's that, great. That is a good thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Did you have a chance to ask the guy after he uh, recovered from his crisis if he'd give us a five star review <laughs> on, on the podcast? <laughs> That's even better. I was thinking like, hey, maybe they'll put us in our, maybe they'll put us in the, their will, Leanne, because these people were well off. Uh, I mean, they were living in, they had a Mercedes Benz that was brand new, and they're living in an area that is very ritzy and like it was really nice. So, but you know, I don't think we'll get any benefits, and we're fine with that, Eric. We're 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 set to uh, just oh, come on, man, monetize your empathy. 
Yeah. I know. God damn it. I, it wouldn't hurt. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but I will tell you this. Uh, so for some reason, that was the day we flew out. I think it kind of just put me at ease. I, I am not bragging here, but I just kind of... I don't freak out in those situations. I I somehow handled it like, okay, this is happening now. And you know, and Leanne had mentioned how calm and cool I was. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I should be in some type of service like that because not everybody wants to be a part of experiences like that. But it did help me fly home. I feel like, hey, you know, I should appreciate the time we have. Every moment's sounds cheesy, sounds lame, but there, every moment we have is kind of a bonus. You never know when something will happen like that. So. Are there any dispensable moments? I feel like there's some dispensable moments. Of course there are. There's plenty <laughs> of dispensable moments. I want in terms of me thinking about like, oh my God, the plane I am on is going to go down. It's a little bit ego driven and unnecessary. So, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're driving around in a car all the time. I mean, like, you know, way more, exactly. way more dangerous. I almost died like 10 times just getting to work and back today. Yeah, it's stupid. I I know that. It's just irrational fears. Like I said, as Eric knows, I've told you guys several times in the show, watched La Bumbo way too many times growing up, and then I didn't fly until I was 27, so the fear built up. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, overall, good trip, beautiful weather. Uh, It was weird. I don't like the warm weather. Travis knows that about me. But Mm -hmm. uh, we made the best of it. We were indoors a lot. And as far as COVID, as far as COVID, uh, everything was fine. We flew on two flights. Everybody wore masks on both flights. There was no issues there. And uh, everybody who came to that conference had to show proof, not only of a vaccination, but of a, a recent COVID test in the 72 hours. So we all felt pretty confident. They took it very seriously. And I don't know, everything went well. So from COVID's point of view and travel and stuff, I was surprised. And it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence. Nobody screamed at or smacked any of the flight attendants. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't I didn't see that, that. although you know these planes are long and you know who knows we could have been way up front somebody but i had a spat but uh, yeah the, no. the smacking was in the was in the back cabin <laughs> <laughs> yeah either way uh it was cool and uh it's good to be home glad to be live and now uh we're two weeks today from the feast which now we got something to look forward <sighs> to very excited about that which means not a thing to certain people I have no idea what that is but yeah. to us it's a gathering we do every year that we well we most years that we try to do and it's a lot of fun so Hopefully it'll go well. Looking forward to it. Let's get into quarantine viewing picks. Uh, Travis Roy, I don't know what you guys watched last week, so I'm really excited to find out what you watched this past week. Okay, I watched a few films. Uh, I, I revisited 1990s Dances with Wolves with my with one of my students with one of my with one of my classes, I should say. And you know, it's become real trendy to just shit all over this movie lately. I gotta say, man, this movie's still really fucking good. Wow, I agree. Thank you. It is still really fucking good. It is. I mean, for the, for 1990, that there is a lot of attention being paid to you know some, some there's some there's some you know like there's some cultural sensitivity here. There is a good story. I mean, I think it's. I mean, this is a fucking good movie, man. I don't know. But what I gather, they Costner and the crew, they really tried to go other way to make it more of an authentic experience for the natives and speaking the language and trying to learn some yeah. of the language. Now, it might not have been. Is there something about the language and the actual tribe that it would have been? There might have been a misrepresentation there, but I think that's a a lesser point that we should be harping on. This is a I'm glad you agree with that because I I agree too. I watched it a couple years ago and I'm like, this movie is it's pretty solid. Yeah, and I mean Costner, I wish he directed more. He he did a fine job with that movie. I don't know why he didn't do more. Um, so say, yeah, like Kevin Reynolds will be around. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think the postman kind of <laughs> shut him down. <laughs> that was the end of the road for him directing. I've never seen that trash. <laughs> uh, 
um amc is doing this thing where it's like i forget what it's called like the thrills and chills or whatever but like basically like they're showing horror movies and you don't know what movie is playing until you until till it comes on so oh, fun myself and friend of the show steve laskowski went and i'm thinking oh man maybe it's gonna be fucking like halloween or or something like that something you know ancient and it was fucking us from 2019 which i hadn't seen uh. since i saw it in theaters but i liked it both times but now i'm like okay well, i was hoping for something like an experience mm. you know what i mean but it, us yeah. is, a, is a good movie so i was i was not disappointed to, to watch us mm. um everyone's talking about squid game i watched squid game and i liked squid game you know um solid. Is a show yeah it's a tv show on netflix um solid uh solid filmmaking you know, you know uh really really just these people fucking hate capitalism that's some of the best representations of the of of the flaws of capitalism that I think I've seen in film, like um, Squid Game, is you know the, the buzz is there for a reason. It's, it's worth it's worth seeing. Uh, I watched The Changeling, which I hadn't seen in a long time from 1980. Yes. Love me some George C. Scott, and uh, that movie holds up really well. Uh, Not Angelina Jolie's movie. No, I never seen that one. I'm talking about the yeah, horror right. film from 1980. Um, a nice like horror drama from 1980. Still, still pretty damn good movie. And I actually happened to accidentally watch it on what would have been George C. Scott's birthday. So that was kind of fun. Cool. Um, revisited a movie that you had suggested to me, Eric, once um, that I had not revisited since, but really enjoyed The Innkeepers. Uh, it's fucking such a fun movie from 2011. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, really quality. And it's funny that I didn't really like, what's his name? Is it T West or Ty West? I'm never really. Ty West. Ty West. West. Uh, I'm not really a huge fan of his uh, House of the, of the Devil because I felt wow. like, I felt like so much of it was just like, dragging and i'm like waiting for something to happen but it's funny because it was a very similar format being followed with innkeepers that works perfectly for me so i i don't i don't know why but yeah you see i love house of the devil but i was not big on innkeepers uh, that's funny to be honest with you and out of the two his third film in a valley of violence is by far his best the western with ethan hawk and john travolta is fucking awesome yeah i've been meaning to catch that um I watched uh, a film from Ben Wheatley who did Sightseers, which I really liked. And he did this film called In the Earth. Um, ah, man, like just a movie that's so dull that you lose the plot. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, that's not a good movie, which is too bad because it started off pretty well. And it's got oh, I'm, uh, Fry, Joel Fry, who I like, who's been doing a lot lately, um, but nothing really to get excited about there. Last but not least, besides mm -hmm. SLC Punk, I watched Halloween Kills. I I I I, I upgraded my Peacock uh, subscription. And Eric, I know you hated this movie. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed Halloween Kills, man. I thought Halloween Kills was a lot of fun. I like that it's about echoes. I like that it's about uh, Haddonfield. I like that it was uh, a, a lot of the things that I kind of like wondered why is this not happened yet in the franchise happened. I like that there's a lot of references. Uh, to the other films, and I really like that more than anything. This is, I mean, this is Michael's movie, and I, I really like that. I can, I can see what some people didn't like about it. I'm looking forward to hearing, what, you know, your remarks on it. But uh, it's a divisive movie. Some people are really hating it. Some people are liking it. But put me strongly in the like it camp. I thought Halloween Kills was good, and that's what I watched. <sighs> wow, oh boy, controversial opinion. No, no, no. By the way. Uh, Travis, yeah. I hope you're feeling better. I know last week you were recovering from a terrible sickness. I'm, I'm so. still not fully recovered, man. I'm, I'm like got a sore throat and runny nose still. It's been like two weeks or more. It's insane. I feel really grateful that before I left, I happened to go to the doctor the Friday before, 
And they like, yeah, you want the flu shot? I was like, sure, why not? Oh, I, I got that. It didn't do me much good. No, but <laughs> did father, you say it was like it was close to it? Yeah, it was close. But my father's gotten COVID and gotten over COVID since I got sick. Mm. Oh. How long I've been sick now. <laughs> well, you know, I'm very happy fun. that he, I'm very grateful and happy that he's doing well. That's the main thing. Yeah, for sure. That's I've awesome. been popping those airborne things like no. Tic Tacs. Oh like my god! Day. You <laughs> might as well hang a fucking horseshoe above your door. <laughs> it's vitamin C. I mean, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I Not lived sick. it in my twenties. I lived that shit. I used to take the, the yeah, airborne and echinacea. I mean, I just did it all. It doesn't do dick. It's so stupid. But hey, so if it gives you the placebo effect, then great. Who cares? Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you feel judged? Beyond me. Like, no, the, uh, Jason that. Vivian is the master story. of Airborne. He like uh, he swears Luke, by it. He used to be really yeah. big on Airborne back in the day too. Oh really, Luke? Yeah. Okay. Luke, well, well yeah, Luke and I both. I I I imbibed, but but <laughs> like, came happened, your way we're like, wait a second. Uh, I'm sick not because I didn't take Airborne, but because I like people get sick. Like like what is this new? Hello. What? what? Oh, sorry. My uh, my shit's going on. Anyway, on to Halloween Kills. Fucking hated it. I was pissed the entire runtime, uh, and I and, and I had to get this Peacock prescription. I don't know how to get rid of it now. You mentioned. Um, okay, David Gordon Green in 2018. He brings Halloween back, and he does some some interesting things, and he revitalized the franchise in a way that I thought was pretty solid. And then for his sequel, he basically just makes like. Uh, Halloween seven is if it came out like in the mid nineties, like your standard issue, like dumb slasher movie. And I thought he devolved uh, as far as his uh, input in this franchise goes. I like when I watch these types of movies, I like, I want all the people to die. And yet in these new ones, he's like making me like to like really care about every single character in like town. Uh, I, I just don't go for slasher movies. Uh, for, for that reason it's just it wasn't hitting me at all on any of its uh on anything i just detested it huh. i actually saw the uh 2018 version in the theater which is a rarity for me um and that aaron if aaron's watching aaron watches the show a lot of the time but uh, that was the episode where aaron was uh, uh roaring <laughs> drunk and we saw it on halloween nights oh, yeah, in 2018 yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I it was, mean, it was actually interesting. I, I'll, I'm actually mildly curious. Maybe I'll watch this one because I did see that one. That one wasn't bad, but the, I mean, if, if you're a Jamie Lear Curtis fan and you're in, uh, hyped up for this movie, be prepared to watch her sitting in a hospital bed saying like basically the same line over and over again. Like, hey, remember 40 years ago? Yeah, that night. Yeah, he, evil lives. Like, dude, but, you didn't I, even like that first 20 minutes, that first 15 minutes, that, that opening. I thought that opening was fucking great. What I liked was when he was taking out all those firefighters. Like oh. that five minutes was fucking awesome. The rest I just thought was was yeah. not up to par. And, and Michael Myers was acting more like Jason than Michael. It's just I don't know. Maybe I'm too deep into the old, old mythos or something. But I mean, that, that's what I liked. About, that's what I liked about. It. I felt like it plugged into like you could be a direct sequel to the to their actual 1978 film. I felt like it could literally be a direct sequel to that. It could be a direct sequel to the 2018 film. Or it could, or it like you know, it, it brought in stuff from Halloween two and Halloween three. It brought in all this other Halloween stuff. I mean, I I, I feel like it's one of the strongest installments in the series. Okay, well, I'm I'm glad you enjoy. I honestly am glad you liked it, man. I want people to have fun with their horror. Uh, I followed <laughs> it up with Prom Night, Jamie Lee Curtis's 1980 horror slasher. Love Prom Night. If you haven't seen it, like 
I've never seen don't, it. Don't trash it. Like it's it's a worthy uh entry in the slasher series. It's a lot of fun with a really interesting story. You gotta watch it. Uh, I dug it. Uh I did not like waxwork from 1988. It was so stupid. Remember this? Like Zach Galligan, the dude yeah, from Gremlins, like I've heard of it. He goes into this museum and like all these fuckers come to life and like it's it, it's really, really dumb. Like the climax is literally him like fencing with the marquee decide because like he steps into like that dumb like diorama of him with it really <laughs> dumb and i don't know how they made a sequel but it's horrible uh yeah waxwork not good um the wraith <laughs> you ever seen this movie the wraith from 1986 with charlie sheen i'm aware of it how was it okay in the first five minutes you have like this mysterious black car in its driver created literally by a swarm of comets <laughs> and like in the next scene, some asshole is forced into a drag race by a gang of brake fuel guzzling rapists. And this is like in the first five minutes. Like the entire movie is fucking bonkers. Randy Quaid, Nick Cassavetes. Hmm. Like it's atrocious, but I sat there and watched the whole thing. So it's kind of that you know blood yeah. diner effect. Like I'm entertained, but I'm like, what the fuck is this? How is this a movie? Like a late night watch. Sounds like. Yeah. Lastly, fake blood. It's like this pseudo documentary from a few years ago about these two horror filmmakers who set out to examine the realistic effects of violence in film. I thought it was a solid like study on the responsibility that filmmakers have to hmm. portray the extent of violence we tend to see in like blockbuster mainstream movies. Uh, I dug it. It's streaming free on Tubi. There's, I mean, with any like millennial filmmaker, there's like a slight touch of douchiness but like <laughs> i think there's a, a some really good arguments to be made about uh you know the responsibility of filmmakers when it comes to portraying this level of of horror and terror but yeah i, I dug it all right hey all righty how about that good times noodle salad here on the cinema nine podcast uh, as far as what yeah. i watched uh you know I was, I was on the move but there was time to watch movies but i was also watching movies with leanne that she had never seen before that i had already seen so uh, some repeats, you know, that, such uh, as. Well, I wanted to show her blind spotting, so I showed her that. Okay. And uh, you know, so I just talked about that. Uh, the Great Outdoors. She never saw The Great Outdoors, so I had to show her that. Lips that and assholes. She never seen yeah! that. Yeah. I said she said she hadn't. So um, wow. I thought it was funny. I always Love think it. it's funny. Still hilarious every Love time it. I watch it. Six, It'll six, never six, get six, old. Six, 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 <laughs> six, 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 nine. Oh my. <laughs> 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 Get that grizzled down. Are you thinking you can throw in a couple of hats and a t-shirt? Uh, yeah, it's fun. And then that weird dance sequence at the end. It's always great, though. It's kind of weird yeah, Like when fun. you watch it now. It's fun, but it's like, where, why is this here? <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's like fun. the 80s. It's just Three. a different time in the world. It's like, hey, the movie's over. We all know it's over. Let's have some fun. Yeah, it's like uh, Roman yeah. wouldn't do that like as the character, but you can tell it's just like Dan Aykroyd fucking around having fun <laughs> on the set. That's all it is. He's like just trying to dance with every girl there. It's stupid, and he's making these dumb faces. That's funny. <laughs> um, I we, I never watched this movie, so we watched together a thin line between love and hate. Have you guys ever seen this? Can't say that I have. It's a movie title that makes you think you've seen it, I feel like. You're like, oh, yeah, that movie, but it's weird. This is a bizarre movie starring Martin Lawrence and mm -hmm. directed by Martin Lawrence. Right. And this is 96. This movie is not what you might think it is. It gets really fucking dark and like, it's like, whoa, shit goes crazy. It's comedy. It's rated R, but it's also like, uh, 
you know, a suspense movie in a sense where mm. a guy's a player and maybe he goes too far, messes with the wrong woman type thing. Oh, so, no. Yep. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> uh, what's her face? Uh, is it Lynn Whitaker? Is that her name? Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I'm pretty yes. sure that's her name. Yeah, she great in this movie very intense <laughs> so i'll give her credit for that uh, i'd recommend checking it out it's it was not what i expected at all so it kind of threw me for a loop but i've yeah, heard of it i'm interested i know this is i remember like, it back in the day but never saw it this is martin lawrence has got you know martin on the air and he gets a chance to just do whatever he wants and he does whatever he wants with this movie so i respect that in a sense i'll give him credit for that and uh, other than that, a few others I'd seen before that I showed Leanne, like uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. And uh, I showed her Pig, too. She watched Pig with me. <laughs> What'd she think? She, she liked it. She could. She, she thought All it was right. going to be like some weird-ass movie with the title and stuff. I'm like, no, yeah. it's not. Because she hates scary movies because she's like genuinely terrified. She just can't handle it. So <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, it's not a scary movie. It's okay. Don't worry. And uh, she liked it. So that was cool. I was glad she enjoyed it. Good. And uh, before we, you know, flew out, we watched Flight together, and she's like, "Why are we watching Flight? this?" Like, <laughs> Didn't you just see Again? it? Again, I mean, this is the third time this year, at least. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know why I put it's it good, on, good. Uh, but it's a good movie, and uh, it was a stupid decision, obviously. But I, <laughs> I like to put myself into those situations because that situation is very unlikely to happen, anyways. True. Got a point. That was it. That was pretty much it. It was. Uh, didn't get a chance to watch a ton of fresh movies, so. We'll see what I can come up with next week. We'll see. Uh, we right. will see. No emails this week, so we're clear on that front. So I believe that leads us into uh, what they call the main course. Time oh, wow. to dive into 1998's SLC Punk, also known as Salt Lake City Punk, for those of you that don't know what the SLC stands for. And so we started our debate. This was our custom. He believed in structure. I believed in chaos. It was an ongoing fight. He seemed to be winning. Parties liked this Salt Lake for us punks. The days would pass and there would be a party and then a fight and then another day. This was the cycle. It was getting old. No. I was feeling old. Anyway, it was a weird night. The school of science says that the world moves from order to disorder. Chaos. They're fools, steve I mean... You know, uh, life goes from order to disorder to order. Atoms come together randomly to form a, a structure. An infant is born. A child. Right? Yeah. A child, exactly. It grows, it, it gets older, it dies, it decomposes exactly. back into, in, into chaos. The Nothing. very thing you're exactly. doing. Right. But Anarchy. Then, but then, those atoms are reformed into something else. A blade of grass, a tree, a flower, whatever. The cycle, man. This is a movie starring Matthew Lillard. And uh, that other guy who plays Heroin Bob, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, some no, other names either. you might know from this movie. Jason Siegel's in this film. I had zero recollection of that. Just, <laughs> yeah. just zero recollection. Like, holy shit, that's, that is Jason Siegel. Like, I saw his name in the credits. I'm like, is it going to be the Jason Siegel? <laughs> there, there he is. There he was. Yeah. And there Till Schweiger, too. I'd forgotten that Till Schweiger was in it. Till yeah, Schweiger. Yeah. Till Schweiger, known to many Americans as, uh, <laughs> what's his fucking name? In, uh, yeah, what is his name? Strike. What's his name? Striker. Crazy ass name. Uh, Stricker. What's his name? Whatever. From from in, in-, in- Gloria. Yeah, we all know yeah. what we're talking about. We I can't, can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Hugo Stieglitz. Hugo Stieglitz. Yeah, we've all yeah. heard of Hugo Stieglitz. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, that's where you would know him from if you don't know him that well. But he's also a very famous German yeah. movie star for a long time. 
fucking great actor. So, uh, boy, uh, Travis, uh, did you ever see this movie before? And if so, do you recall <laughs> when? I sure as shit don't remember the first time I watched it, but I know, I mean, like, again, this is one of those movies that I had the poster on my wall. I own the box copy. I very much, um, oh. I very much internalized this movie when it came out. I mean, it was 1998 when it came out. Like I was in the full throes of my punk rockness and there's only so many <laughs> punk rock movies. It was like this or glory days, which I swear wasn't there a band <laughs> yeah. in glory days that said anti-disestablishmentarianism along the side in that too. Was I just get them both mixed up in my head, maybe? But there was just there was a limit of how many fucking punk rock, like genuine punk rock movies there were from that from that era. Um, so yeah, I, I watched the shit out of this movie, and then I had not watched it since I don't know, two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay, that's good. I actually didn't know uh, how often you'd seen it or what it was any value to you growing up because I don't, I just don't remember us having a ton of conversations about yeah. it. That doesn't mean we didn't, but uh, I also didn't. I don't. Anyways, I'll get to that. Uh, Eric, what about you? Had you ever seen this movie before, or is this your first viewing? I'd never seen the film. Uh, I used to stock this on the shelves of Blockbuster Video every day, and I'd sit there and look at the cover box. I like that. I remember that green cover box, Matthew Lillard's spiky blue hair. And I always be <laughs> like, "What? What is this? What is SLC?" But I never bothered to rent it. And like every day, kids would come in asking for it, and it would always be out. And and yet I never and I never bothered to watch it. I'm not sure why. Yeah. It's probably one of those movies I suggested to you that you're like, I'll give it a couple decades. Let it marinate. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't watch it. It's got Devin Sawa in it, so I thought you'd be all over it. You figured that would be the selling point, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I watched on little hands a bunch, but I missed out on SLC Punk. Ah shit. I didn't see as far as I recall, my recollection is I watched this movie, I think. With Janicek, because Janicek loved this movie, a friend of ours, Steve Janicek, uh, when I lived with him in 2002. So I hadn't seen it until then. And then yeah. I really became a big fan of it after that point. And it's a movie that I've watched, I've, I don't know, many times over the years. I've watched this movie all every year. So it's something I'd like to go to. I find it comforting in a sense. In a you've stayed up. Way. You've stayed up with it. You've watched it regularly since 2002. Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. So, so I will reveal that. So I definitely, you know, I know the lingo, of the movie. I, I, it's very familiar to me. All this is not like, oh wow, it's been forever. Mm. But I, uh, when you asked me, and I was already, behind, I was like, oh shit, I gotta pick a movie, and I had my list on my phone, so I just went to what was at the top of the list, and this was the movie I chose. So well thought um, out. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it had prior thought into it. The list did. So I just didn't know what other people's experience was with it. But we'll find out more. Christ, about it, I think it's an awesome pick. Like when I did hop online and check a few things out, this has a fucking huge fan base. Oh, and, yeah. It was a cult. Uh, film, yeah, so I, I had no idea. Unfortunately, it led to a sequel that is just god awful. Did you watch it, Travis? I, I, you know, I ever, I, I, there's some sequels that like I could just tell going in. I'm like, not, I'm not, no, thank you, Boondock Saints 2. No, thank you. Oh, I you. saw that in the theater. I did <laughs> go there for that one. Yeah, I went no, all, I was yeah. actually excited about that. I thought there was a lot of places they could go with that, but no, that was no, great. You're pretty, some, sometimes I'm just like, no, no fucking way is this going to be good. And I hear that I'm correct that it wasn't any fucking good. Oh, dude, you didn't see Backdraft 2? Come on, you better skip uh... that one. Although part of me, <laughs> part of me is really curious, like in like a, like a, a talking cat kind of way. Like, is it as bad as the film <laughs> A Talking Cat? I'm curious. 
<laughs> talking cat. There it is. Grilled cheese. The movie. <laughs> All right. So on uh, IMDb, uh, I already I've known the score because I've looked it up over the years. So I know what it is. Did anyone else look it up or didn't yeah, look? Sadly, I caught it. Sadly, Travis, give uh, us your best guess. Um. So this isn't. You know, it's not. It's not a fucking masterpiece, but it, there is a, a cult following for this film. I'm going to put this in the high sixes. I'm going to say six, six. Huh. Hmm. 7.4. Just like Jacob's Ladder. It's right there. 7.5 for Jacob's Ladder. So. <laughs> wow. Weird. All right. Okay. That's that is definitely higher than I would have guessed. But again, the people that like it, like love it. This is, this is a beloved film. Um, I remember it being a beloved film. At the same time, I, I felt like it was a good call for the podcast because it's one that I really don't feel like I hear people mention or bring up in conversation that for many years, while there was a good stint of my life where I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good news then. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is wild. 89% from the audience. Very, very high. Okay. Tomatoes from the critics is just fresh at 63. A massive gap. Mm. Big gap there. So, Bit of a gap. Uh, Bit of a gap. I, think I, could, I could see, and I think we'll find out what the critics have to say here, because we're going to do that right now, but I can imagine what some of them have to say, such as, uh, oh, goody boy. Goody Coons. Goody Coons. Good. Desson, Desson, Desson. Give me back my Goody Coons. <laughs> uh, boy. I may have been uh, too early for Desson. Um, yeah, Roger Ebert said, all right. Matthew Lillard's performance dominates the film, and he does a subtle, tricky job of being both an obnoxious punk and a kid in search of his direction in life. He's very good. I praise okay. from Roger Ebert. Yeah, I, I agree, but subtlety is not something I would uh, uh, <laughs> attach to this performance. Is he talking about in terms of him hiding his like doing his grandstanding and hiding his insecurities? I think that's what yeah. he, I think that's what he's talking about. The subtlety I, isn't the performance itself. I think the subtlety mm. is the vulnerabilities behind all the grandstanding. Okay, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, there's only this is a record low as far as I can tell. There's only one and a half pages of reviews. Uh, so there's no Goody Coons, no Desert Thompson. Mm. Sorry to say. Mm. So we're gonna have to go to uh, Philip Martin of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. <laughs> All right. One of these movies. <laughs> one of those movies has a lot more fun to watch than it is to think or write about. <laughs> uh, he did not like having to write about it. Clearly, someone didn't like the deadline. Yeah. No shit. That's that's a. Ooh, that hurts. Uh, Andrea Chase of Killer Movie Reviews says, The script's deficiencies are balanced by a surprisingly mature performance by Lillard, who is obviously capable of better roles than he's been offered. Probably still true. Yeah, once again, Lillard's getting praise. Uh, here's a shitty one from David Ludi of Film Journal International. We all love the journal, the international. Hmm. SLC SLC Punk cannot quite reach the richer depths it grasps for because it doesn't have the material to support the large dramatic distance Steve-O has to travel. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, it, when he says that, that review brings to mind that the scene, there's two scenes where like, I'm not sure which classical musical artist this is. I've, you know, I, I know some of these people, but not many classic. You know, I know a lot, lot about classical music, but it's the music goes. Oh, 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 oh. 
Don't we all do that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways, it's like this. These like it's like this. The same big sweeping score, probably Mozart or, or Beethoven, and like it's so out of place in the film both times when it comes and like one of the times it comes it's like this sweeping shot like over the ice in their van and they're outside the van yeah. and, it's, and it's extremely dramatic and i'm just like where is this coming from like this is like <laughs> i don't know there, there's, there's moments where i'm like uh they're really reaching here and i'm not sure that i'm on board i'm guessing that's what he's talking about what about the weird intro music when the movie starts like the 90s bozo comedy intro like <laughs> As they're about to beat on two rednecks who who have to get some pelt tonight. By the way, <laughs> yeah, which is no. just <laughs> getting introduced to characters who beat strangers with metal p- poles is like, yeah. all right, all right, that's these are our heroes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the movie goes into great detail too. I mean, this movie is bizarre in a way because it has these. The fourth wall is just ripped apart in this oh, yeah. movie. Forget about it. The essay about fighting just shows up in the middle of the film all of a sudden with the projector slash kind of overhead projector feel to it. We're like, what? Why? I don't need this. Why is this here? That seems Steve-O literally introduces characters to us that we've already come to know like a half hour through the movie. (laughs) I I dig that about it. It just makes it more interesting for me. Huh. Well, I, I don't have a beef with that so much. Like the party scene where he goes around doing yeah, the introduction. Yeah, I, like, I like the introduction. And then it goes off into tangents. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does kind of reference people like you, like you, like, like you kind of feel like maybe this was going to be earlier in the film. Like you kind of get the sense that the, the editing may have swapped yeah. out some. Yeah. Um, I'd be but, interested to look at the script to see how linear it is. Uh, maybe he wanted to make it a little more interesting by making it a little jumbled. Maybe. Um, that is yes. definitely the word. Jumbled is a great word for this movie. Yeah. Uh, massive, massive amount of narration. Anybody have yeah. beef with the too much narration in this movie, or is because I think narration has its place if it works. Uh, it's his story to tell. He's definitely the focal point. So, well, I was just singing the praises of Dances with Wolves, but I cannot imagine a worse <laughs> overall narrative talking <laughs> like this the whole time. So that's dull as fuck, and that's and that's like. <laughs> No movie is improved by that. Like, just I'd rather be wondering what the fuck is going on than having that kind of voiceover. <laughs> but what <laughs> what what Lillard's doing as Stevo is yeah. so interactive. It's so Deadpoolian. Yeah. It's so like I mean, like it's the movie. Frankly, I don't know if the movie would work without that kind of interaction with us as, as being in the audience. Like if it was just like you were all looking at him from the side and shit, and he's not addressing us, I, I just, the movie would be grossly different. It's so true, and. And they, they they do the wonderful thing that the uh, great voiceover movies do, which is which is Lillard Stevo doesn't just explain what's happening. All of his narration is just as interesting as the solely visual stuff that the movie shows us. So there's a great balance between the two. Like I'm looking at the most notes by far I've ever taken for one of our does it hold up films. Hmm. And I think this is going to have to be one of the rare occasions that, because I'd never seen the film, that I have to show my cards a little early. I think it'll improve my overall review of it. I, I fucking love this movie so much. I was blown away. I haven't been this blown away since I watched Heaven's Gate last summer. <laughs> I like went outside and I was like ruminating for like forty minutes, like. I cannot believe this is not uh, more like well known and uh, uh, applauded and revered uh, for what it was. Like 
maybe it's just because I've seen it now as 41. Maybe that makes <laughs> a huge difference on if you saw it like when you were a kid. But I'm telling you right now, I think this is fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, wow. I, I'm 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 glad you liked it. I I definitely there were there were a great many people singing its praises, but that 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 chorus has fallen off. That's true. That is just stunning, Eric. I I really thought that you would be like ripping on this movie. That was my expectation. Yeah. When I was, if I would have saw this, like when I was twenty, I'd be like, "Oh, these motherfuckers! This is not like, uh, uh, this is not potent enough for my the level of like sagacity I'm trying to achieve here in my bullshit early twenties. I'd, I'd probably <laughs> write it off, but I think that makes a huge difference seeing it for the first time as someone who's grown up, kind of lived through their shit, whatever that is, such as it is. But oh my god, I loved it so much. Okay, wow. wow. Well, hey, uh, Miles V's watching. He commented and said, just watched for the first time and love this film as well. So a second first-time watcher like okay. you, Eric. Also, this movie. So let's ha let they have it. Give it to us. What is it that you that you like about this movie? What is it that struck you? Go ahead. Give it to us. Oh, my God. Well, I was struck by the fact that Jan de Bont of Speed and Twister fame produced it. Like I, I that that's kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And this guy, James Marandino, he he makes a film that for me is not only visually but narratively twice as interesting and compelling to me than something like Danny Boyle's train spotting, which got all the trophies dumped on its lawn. And this is like a third time film. He's got like witchcraft three and four under his belt. And then he comes out with this as like a 28, 29 year old filmmaker. So I was taken immediately with the way he was telling me this story. Uh, I can't imagine seeing this in 1998 because it it was it was just so fresh. If it would have came out this year, I would be like, this movie's fucking amazing. It, it to me, it's not very dated at all. It may that's, be different for you. That's funny to me. Yeah, because to me, since I mean I watched the fuck out of it in 1998 through like 2003 or whatever. It feels very, very dated to me. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I mean, again, like I, it was when I internalized at a very like crucial time period in my life. I'm like, this movie speaks for me and to me. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but since since it was so, like, like it was like I can like it was part of my personality for a minute. Like in the way that yeah. like some of these move like we, other movies we've addressed have been. Um, so like to go back and now and watch it, it makes me feel like I'm 21, which is not a by any stretch a bad thing, but it feels you know dated yeah well, there's a lot uh, of uh ronnie uh, reagan references and it's based in the 80s really? <laughs> there's a you know the fast greasy ass christopher mcdonald as the dad by the way is fucking great in this movie he's so i mean he's so minimal but when he's on the every time i'm just like oh, oh i want God. more of this guy he's i want more so of the interaction so between funny. the son and the father these slick ass assholes i love that they actually get along <laughs> That he's that, he, that, know, that there's actually like a loving support in, in the divorced yes. family. Yes, good I call, Travis. That's, that's a great nice. call. That's such a great. When call. When they have the debate about the Volkswagen and the Nazi stuff, but then mm -hmm. like then they come to terms. Hey, let me take it on. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's... and he kind of like he resents his father, but at the same time, like he knows his father is just like a person. Um, yeah, you know, and they and get they, each other and they want each other to be happy, like regardless. There's yeah. not this typical bullshit relationship you see in every other goddamn coming of age story. I do have one interesting point, though, about the father son thing, which the either there is some like narrative um, uh, sloppiness going on or um, Christopher McDonald had him when he was like. 15 16 years old because he talks about going to fucking woodstock when he was uh, in harvard 
But um, Matthew Lillard's, Lillard's, Lillard's character, Steve-O, it says twice was born in 1963. So it's like, well... Oh, they said that? I didn't catch that with the exact well, date. So, they, so wow. well, for one, they they tell us that, that it's 1981 in that flashback, and he says, I'm 18 years old there, so do the math. And then two later on, they do the, the, the speed-up thing on his driver's license when he's going to Montana or Wyoming, which oh. it was. And I, I, I looked, and it says 1963. Because, so you know, <laughs> So his father yeah. was a teenage father. <laughs> and somehow I was able to Harvard. go to Harvard. <laughs> very common tale. A very common tale, I'm sure. Uh, Follow-up from Miles, first-time viewer as well. I'm 25, so oh, he's wow. younger. And I've been looking for good cult movies the past few years. And only a few felt as original and raw as this one. Still trying to wrap my head around the impact it had on me. So Holy shit, Miles. First-time viewer. Another first-time viewer response. Interesting. Now, Eric, you're loving this movie, and you're definitely not a 25 year old. But that, that, like, I do feel like this is a movie for like young people. Like, I do. Like, I feel like this is very much and about like not like young people like 13, but like early 20s. Like, it is kind of early mid 20s. Like, it's kind of geared towards people that are starting to get sick of the party life. Yeah, um, you're right, and and yet it it works in a way that I can still enjoy. It reminded me of like American Graffiti. Where wherein you can both enjoy like these circumstances that these kids are going through, but you can also think back at when you were a teenager and just relive some of that fun and watching something like this, man. I literally it felt like I was at like a really fun like party where I was having, you know, me uh, like emotionally engaging conversation, uh, you know, uh, and, and yet like a really fucking good. It just it was so uh, like were you Eddie. Is that who you were? The romantic? Possibly. I might have been that weird guy uh, that Jason Siegel played. And I remember. I remember those dudes that I don't want to name any names, but the guy that was like nerdy, but like he was like crazier than everyone. Like, I know that fucking guy. I, I loved it. I thought <laughs> you he can't be Jason Siegel's character. He's way too violent. That's not you. No, at all, I would so. never I would never hit anybody. Well, but I know hit, that guy that hits it. One of the things I like about the movie quite a bit, which is that I, I, I there's quite a few characters. I'm like, I know that person. I know that drug yeah. dealer who needs to show me everything and try and pretend we're <laughs> friends. <laughs> I know that guy. He is lonely. Like, I Tony Smith. <laughs> no names. No names. I'm not throwing around names. Yeah. Uh, Tony's I, fine with that. I, wasn't, He's out there. I wasn't even thinking of him, but I have known. I, but, um, you know, <laughs> there, there are people in this film that, that they feel archetypal, you know? Yeah. 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 James Arandino uh, definitely lived a life. He, he is very authentic in the writing and the direction and the whole creation of this film it's someone who had to experience a lot of this stuff to know what it was about. But there's so many other angles with this movie. The the oh, political man. and philosophical debates. You know, when he goes over to Chris's house and loves to engage in these anarchy debates. And his whole internal struggle, him and Bob are supposed to be about anarchy. And they're supposed to... Everything about it is a contradiction, which is great. Because that's what these people do. And the fact that the movie ends with him admitting it. Hey, I already know you're thinking it. That's a great... Yeah. Yeah. This was a great ending. This is a really great ending in a film. You're already thinking I'm a poser. Fuck you. Yeah, I was. Fuck it. That's <laughs> so Dude. good. I mean, when when he says at one point, basically, like, we didn't know what to do, so we went to college because that's anarchy. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you? What are you selling yourself here, buddy? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think he says that they were intentionally wasting their educated minds, which I, I, I. But he got just, amazing grades. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, he's well, clearly. He, like if I were to, oh man, I really don't have much negative to say about it, but like 
some of the arguments and discords he gets into seem a little juvenile for a the little. type of for the type of education he probably had, but it doesn't bother me. He might have even been doing it on purpose to seem more like slackerish or whatever. There's also a narrative issue for me when he's t talking to his parents in the 81 flashback where he's pissed that they left New York City, the cultural mecca, to go to Utah. Well, you're 18 graduate high school. You go where the fuck you want, dude. You could have gone right back out there. So, Also, it had been years because he was – like, like it had to have been at least – four or five years that they, since they moved there because he was playing Dungeons and Dragons with uh, – thanks, Miles. He was playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> with Bob and and, and uh, Miles. Mike and, and Eddie. Or, uh, yeah, Mike and Eddie. Um, so, yeah, there, there there is a few kind of moments like that where I feel like uh, maybe not enough attention was being paid to some of the, the script, uh, especially since there is no real narrative here. It's really – it's hard to follow the chronology of the film a lot of times because, like – you're like, what is Bob in the hospital or is he not in the hospital? Is this a flashback or what's happening here? Like, what, what, what's, what's happening? There's, there's a lot of bouncing around, which sometimes I think really works, and sometimes I think is like, um, what the fuck is going on? Like, where's the story? <laughs> like, yeah, when he meets, when he's doing the party introductions, and he comes around to Mark, played by Till Schweiger, yeah, and then it goes into this long. I mean, we're talking like 15 minutes worth of the story. Not just a story. It's this very dramatic and serious engagement that they have in the kitchen with the gun. Like you said, he <laughs> kicked his father's corpse, which is in the world's uh, longest pistol. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> dirty Harry with that super Magnum gun. And then the fact that he's, this guy who's got this mysterious story and there are people like that. Yeah. He's not a pusher. He had money, but he came into their lives and why else would he be in Salt Lake shitty? I mean, <laughs> Till Schweiger is one of the best parts of this movie. I just every oh, time he's on the yeah, screen, man. he's killing it. He makes me laugh, makes me think too. Mm -hmm. And the shit he says, the shit he says in the car when they steal the car and he goes off on all these bozo. I saw a half man and half dolphin. Half half dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> the world has no way to clean itself. It makes me laugh every time oh, I hear that line. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of the there best parts of the movie. Um, I, I would say, you know, Schweiger. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, think, I think that there's a big Tarantino influence here in a lot of what we're talking about like, in terms of chronology and editing and like these breakaways and stuff. Uh, I do kind of wonder, like, yeah, um, if Tarantino and Danny Boyle hadn't come along before, how what would this movie look like? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of uh, might have me a lot of that old movie Alfie, uh, old mm -hmm. English movie that was kind of doing that back then, and it was. You know, there's some cinema rete in there, but I'm watching it and I'm thinking of a couple more movies and I'm kicking myself because these are two movies I'll watch countlessly and yet I'd never seen SLC Punk. So it reminds me a little bit of Swingers, but to me, this makes Swingers look like this, like just this fleeting in joke uh, without much substance at all. SLC is so, SLC Punk has so much content in it and it's not really, um, it's not exhausting. Like, remember the Life Less Ordinary? They were throwing all this stuff at us like a kitchen yeah. sink movie. Yeah. And yet 25 minutes in, you're fucking exhausted. Yeah. This this throws everything at you. And yet it flies by and is super entertaining. And the central lesson for me, sorry, I'm, I'm a little fired up. Um, it reminds me a little bit about something like Ferris Bueller. Like a movie like Ferris Bueller, like is central lesson in my opinion is to like live in the moment because tomorrow like you have to grow up and accept the change but a movie like this it it dramatizes circumstantial like evolution 
in terms of growth and a coming of age story in a way I'm not used to seeing done so well. I think that's why I loved it because it's such a natural evolution for him to arrive at this conclusion, even in his original state. Fucking loved it. Hmm. I do think that. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to the style of the film, I'm, I'm 100% with you. When it comes to the content of a lot of the um, speeches that he's making, um, like a lot of pontificating about posers, which feels just extremely, <laughs> extremely juvenile, extremely. Um, a lot of eighth like, grade. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eighth grade, like not even like, yeah. aren't you supposed to be like graduated? Like, um, so a lot of that, <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of talk of anarchy without seeming to have a real firm understanding of what it means. Um, and then like bullying people for like liking sex pistols and like, they're singing anarchy in the UK, but that's not okay. But anarchy in the USA is okay. Like there's like a lot of conflict here, which I guess is part of the point, but like, yeah, it's like, see everybody who said they were a punk, like in the nineties and early two thousands, they did, they all did that. And then his obsession with like, um, you know, with violence as a, like, uh, uh, I don't know, is some sort of like reason to be, um, like, you know, to, to beat on the rednecks and then beat on the mods and all the, all this stuff. Like, it all, I mean, like, um, so when we talk, like, there's clearly some philosophical struggles here, but they're just extremely asinine. Yeah. And so was the fact that Devin Sawa having all that acid soak through his pants, that would not happen. That's not how that works, <laughs> by the way. That's so. not how that works. Also, if you're on acid, you know you're on acid. You aren't, you aren't like, I, I mean, I've never been on 100 hits of acid, but yeah, yeah I would like to think I would yeah. know that still. So, yeah, never done 100 hits either. But I do really love that sequence, though, when he's running across and you see the acid, awesome. like, go, like, go through the pants and go through the skin, and you see the muscles and the bone. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Cool yeah. filmmaking. I mean, like, maybe not super motivated, but cool. Yeah, it was like, you know, they said Jeff Manierson took 50 hits of acid. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. None of that shit ever works. People don't do shit like that. These are the type of urban myths that grow, though. But they yeah. actually, they play it as a reality. But I will give them credit for turning it into another philosophical discussion about poverty and what happens mm -hmm. to him and what Steve-O feels when he runs into Sawa's character later on, Sean. <laughs> yeah. And he feels... Yeah. And by the way, the, the side, again, another tangent about when they run into him, there's always a side flash. It's almost like Family Guy. It's like a flashback every time yeah. there's a scene within a scene. Yeah. And he tries to get a job at the mall selling women's clothes. And it's fucking funny. This movie is really funny. I want to give it a lot of It's a funny movie. There's a lot of great lines. But it's also <laughs> fucked up with that dichotomy. Steve-O turns, he says he didn't like the way it made him feel to see his friend yes. Yes. begging for money. So he turned his back and took acid with Sandy. Well, he didn't like the way it felt to see that even someone like him could wind up on the streets. Mm -hmm. Maybe not him personally, because his rich parents would take care of him. But it's just another stepping to stone towards this growth progression that I love. And it's done in, an, in a super funny and entertaining way. Yeah, and, and, and I think he's bothered because like his parents would walk past him, too. Right. That's kind of like what you, uh, eventually uh, you get to that point where that is what you do. Like when you're a young teen, you might try and solve people's problems. But like as you get older, it becomes like, look, well, you made your choices. And, and he doesn't like that. that. That's not punk rock. And that's one of the things that's one of the things I really wrestled with watching the movie this time. Like, what the mm. fuck is punk rock? Because to me, punk rock means kind of like DIY um, and, uh, you know, independent and independent spirit. Um, but also, it's also like about community. 
but also inclusive, which was what I was about to say. Like punk, punk to me is extremely inclusive and communal and communal. Um, like it's very much uh, like, you know, we're in this together kind of thing. Is punk rock slamming someone's head against the wall because they bumped into you at a party? <laughs> I don't think that's fucking punk rock, but this is 1985 punk rock and SLC. So uh, maybe I, you know, like it's, I don't know. We would have called that aggro <laughs> as fuck when we were in high school pretending yeah. to like punk rock. Like, Dude, that was fucking aggro, bro. <laughs> yeah that was there's there's moments where i'm like i don't like these people <laughs> they're not nice or good people yeah Bob this is, look like looking Bob for Gagan. pain uh, no i don't actually yeah yeah well and that's the thing like that's these people are like 18 years old and when you're 18 and struggling with like identity in the middle of nowhere uh i think that it's real easy to like try and like find identity and in, in suffering but there's a mix there too, like these, like you said, these guys graduated college. They're at least 22. Mm. Uh, at least Steve O yeah, and Heroin uh, Bob. Steve O and Heroin Bob are supposed to be like 22. Yeah. Yeah, and it's but there's a mixture, like you know that girl who gets off her meds, the sister of the Chris guy yeah. who we're introduced to. She's 17. Yeah. And even yeah. Brandy, when she's introduced, has the love of Steve O's life later on. All of a sudden, which is like a weird wrap up to the movie, uh, a little bit for me. But like it has to. I don't know. He's all melancholy as fuck, mm-hmm. and then he meets Brandy, who is. The impetus for that is from Trish, by the way. Who Trish? Trish's character to me is so classic. Everybody knows yeah. uh, there's a girl that everybody's into. She rules the scene. Yeah. To me, that was so. I can think of Very a genuine. couple women I really met in real life that we probably all know back in the day. Like, oh yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And but, God, yeah. I just, I mean, uh, Annabeth Gish is gorgeous. Still, I loved her in Midnight Mass. She still looks fantastic. And always just such an underrated actor. I think that she's so quality in everything that she does. She just brings this real ethereal and like glow to her. I just love every, like every performance. I think she's just fucking fantastic. Absolutely. I, yeah. She's great in this. And her, her performance is, you know, it's so simple and classy, but it's, it's well done. And everyone looks to her and the way mm-hmm. Bob worships her and the growth that he goes through. And suddenly Steve gets pissed because now he's a poser for falling in love, which is a fucking great, <laughs> ridiculous debate that two people who are moody would have anyway. So you got to think both these guys are moody as fuck. Uh, oh, they yeah. live together. They stare at a television with a bullet hole of Ronald Reagan through his head. That is not a real television at all. They don't have heat. Even though Steve-O comes from a tremendous amount of wealth, they can afford a really nice place and have all the amenities they want to. I think the only furniture they have is a lawn chair. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, you know, I like that. The fact these, there is a, I think there's a moodier period. This is a moodier period of your life too. And the movie does a good job of having these characters be all over the place. They really are. Bob throws, he breaks a mirror and he feels, then he feels really bad when Trish comes. I'm sorry. I feel, you know, it, it's, this is what happens. And I am really impressed still to this day by the way the movie gives the impression of the challenges, but sometimes the simple nature of these people all at once. I totally agree, Mike. Um, I was sitting there wondering why I know it's semi autobiographical, but I mean, clearly the 80s was like coke and excess and, and big business. But other than that, like, why do you think it was set in 85? I think it could have done a lot of good as being a, a like 90s, maybe as well. I think it works in the mid 80s. But do you think there's a real strong point that that he set that the director and writer set it in that period? Yeah, because the narrative, some of the debates are about the early stages of punk rock. 
And I think that's what he wanted well, to focus on for some reason. For some reason. Like, like does anyone seriously – I mean, the Sex Pistols very famously were Ramones fans. So is this a real argument anyone's having? I didn't get that. And it that's it not seemed really, like a trendy argument to have, yeah. And, and if, to me, what it spoke to was that, like, to answer your question in my estimation, is that that's what he knew. So, like, that's what he – recorded like that that was the scene that he knew he didn't know the 80s he didn't know like the the mid 90s punk scene he wasn't going to film a bunch of lag wagon shows he you know he, he <laughs> it would have yeah. been cool but uh disco punk was foreign to him by then you, well, he's right. 30 when he did this right is that right. what you said eric he's something like yeah that. right around there so um, he was, so we with what he knew he's born in the late 60s that. he came of age when steve-o and these guys came of age so this is yeah. his story that makes sense I mean, I don't know that much about punk, but in 85, that's isn't that when punk started to get like a little bit like commercialized and a little bit neutered? I mean, it already had been. If it's, it's, this is the thing about, see, it, it, it's so funny that we have to discuss this. And I always loathe these conversations. You have this mainstream punk. Like he talks about the beginning, right, Travis? Like yeah. uh, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. And, uh, even, and then you get like into the period where uh, you have, maybe more authentic punk, like the Dead Kennedys and uh, Minor Threat and this, the, the real stuff, right? Like the underground. Right. Generation X makes an appearance. Right. Yeah, like th there's two, there's several different realms of it that caused the confusion in the discussion, in my opinion. And, and when they laid out the order of the people that get beat down on and the new wave people are very dead last and they were called the hippies, I laughed when I saw that, uh, even though I didn't really Absolutely. like that segment of the movie. Um, but... Uh, but New Wave had a lot of punk influences, so it this, it shows you how little the guy who's telling you the story maybe really knows about any of this shit. Well, and that's partly what like frustrated me, not like with the movie, but maybe with who I was at that age, which is like this um, confused sense of tribalism. Uh, as if there's these vast differences between you and your neighbors. Like, uh, you don't like bad religion, so you must suck as a person. Like, what the fuck kind of logic <laughs> is that? You know, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But that's Those the things kind of happened. But that's the kind of shit I thought in my teens. I'm not happy to admit now. So I think that some some of the movie, like, while it because for me the movie's a hot blast of nostalgia, but some of it is like, oh, I remember being like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was even in our time in the 90s that the ska coming into the the punk <sighs> rounds it was even debates yeah. about that like whoa dude yeah. you know there's a lot of ska in this movie like it starts with too hot by the specials i'm like fuck yeah this oh yeah, cool. yeah i don't like i'm like i was i don't i didn't remember so much ska being in the movie but there's actually a pretty there's a lot out. of this music that's like punk supposed punk that i wasn't familiar with that i really love the soundtrack I, oh, and dude. i learned a lot about bands i didn't know about i mean some of them i knew the Dead yeah. Kennedys closed the film, and there's a minor threat in there at the end. And But there's a yeah. lot of them, these songs I didn't know, like, uh, I love living in the city. I love that song. I never yeah. heard that song until I saw this movie. Dude. And I and I really find it interesting that the film, before the Dead Kennedys, which is over the credits, it wraps up the Roxy music. Yeah. Who I love Roxy music, and that's, that's not really Damn. that song. That's, I think that's supposed to represent, like, his step forward. Like, like he's going to become exactly a Roxy music it. fan, which I thought that was cool. Yeah, and that song, Mother of Pearl especially, oh, uh, he talks about how we often pantomime our emotions and that's exactly what Steve-O is doing. He's just acting like he, he's in a costume uh, and he's on the verge of coming out of his costume and becoming his own person. Uh, yeah. Like, great like, track. Like when he gets called out by summer Phoenix at the end, who mildly likes him. mildly, um, <laughs> it is her party and she'll cry if she wants to. She's like, am I offending you? You piece of fucking shit. 
<laughs> we got a comment right. from Randy Rhodes here says, yes, finally a film I've seen. This is even better, though. The second comment. Best line. Sick, Sick you fool. Sick. Uh, that is a good line, but the only line I liked better was just, there's a movie on there. Uh, I, <laughs> I was saving, I was saving Sink you fool for the very end of the show. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Is there more? Much more. All right. Yeah, the guy who shows All off of his which shit. I will gladly show you now. Yeah, seven different versions on the shower head. Yeah. So lame we've all been there you've everybody this is not yeah, punk or anything some guy showing the shit off like oh god we gotta go through this tour this is hell so <laughs> to get the thing common. that you want which is probably marijuana exactly that's right yeah he's the guy who's got the stuff so that's true oh my god what else gentlemen i mean i could talk about this movie all day so i don't want to hog spotlight here but there's so many uh th this movie does have a lot of philosophical discussions in it that i think are yeah. worthy of our time like what maybe else? It's... What other philosophical discussions? Because because all right, it's it's Nate. It's like order or anarchy, and mm -hmm. I love what people think. Like he's like talking about nature being order. I'm like I don't know if that's quite the case, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's it's order versus anarchy, and it's like adulthood versus rebellion, and then it's like who started punk? Sort of. What other kind of philosophical arguments are there? In the uh, the being surrounded. Well, you got a ton of uh, religious oppression creates this. Okay. Yeah. You know great the state this is the people who are the toughest are the in the most rebellious are the people who are most oppressed by a direct religious oppression which was an interesting discussion that actually didn't get fleshed out much in the film beyond that point that he makes when he talks about the extreme corporal punishment band example yeah there's yeah. uh plenty of opportunities that they flirt with but perhaps because of the time they don't get too much into uh like racial profiling or homophobia or even with Mark, like foreign influence. I mean, he's an immigrant coming here from another country and he's expected to act a certain way. But like, there's all these little things about how like life is pain yeah. and like you have a license to kill because man's <laughs> inherited dispositional veracity is truth. And it, a lot of it's bullshit. But everyone, I was saying this Nietzschean bullshit like when I was 22. So I think that's yeah. part of the point. When they go over to Wyoming, um, you, oh my, you what get, the hell are you? Which I really, uh, I've always oh contested that scene, actually, or like that, not the whole scene, but that, that just that little bit where like the the old man and the old woman seemingly don't know, like, like that's fucking ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. No one's gonna think you came from a mental hospital because you have a fucking mohawk. It's stupid. And then like they turn the corner and there's two hillbillies that don't give a flying fuck and hardly look at them sideways. Like what's going on? That's here? true. But but they do explore some like religious stuff there and then the fucking guy calls Nazis a gathering of people. Like, <laughs> like, like very fine people on both sides and, and like Bob is ready to fucking lose it. Like, so you, you do get some tantalizing stuff there. In the car ride you have um Mike, what's, it, what's his name? Not Mike but uh, Eddie. Eddie is, is is talking about how he's often mistaken for homosexual. Right. That doesn't bother him at all because right. he likes homosexuals. He just doesn't like people fucking with them. And then, of course, they throw in some some slurs because it's 1998. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, there there is there is some stuff. Um, you're, and, there, and you are right, Eric. There's only so many minutes in the movie. Like, we're not, not going to turn this into, like, a thesis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely do kind of flirt with some pretty interesting stuff. I dig the way they do it. It's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like like not liner notes version of like 
theology and philosophy and all that. And I think it works for a punk film like this. The whole brevity of the film, like any good punk song worth its salt, it's like two minutes tops. And I love that this is like 90 minutes in and out, and yet it gives you so much. Yeah, that's a really fair point. And then that... This uh, fascism is constantly challenged with the police and uh, the overall fascist state of things that, as they see it in the which 80s, he joins, which he ends up joining. Yes, you're right. Right, because so, you yeah. can do you can do more damage from inside that system than from without. Right. Yeah, there's so right. many final ironies in the end. Right. <laughs> Supposedly, sure, no future in anarchy. I believe he says. Oh, we haven't discussed. Uh, uh, so Bob dying. Oh you know, my God. you never Jesus. saw this movie. So I'd be curious. How did you feel as a first time viewer when that actually goes down? Blown did away. you see it coming or I was blown away? That's why I think I said out loud, fuck swingers, because like <laughs> these movies that I'm used to that, that try to be these like dudes pounding around dealing with real shit. They didn't have any fucking balls when you look when you look at a lot of them, maybe basketball diaries. But uh, yeah. when this happens, I'm out of control on my couch right over there. Even the camera is a little bit out of focus on yeah. that. Trailer, as if we're intruding on something. It's fucking gorgeous. I got the feeling that that was the best take, and they just accepted the fact that Probably. Uh, it was a little blurry. But, but, <laughs> oh, man, I loved it. But Lillard's performance there, that that holds up really well. That has always really impressed me. That, that like, uh I wasn't fucking like I wasn't ready for this and the drool and all that shit. Like it, very, very heartbreaking to like to, yeah. to watch and deal with that. It's something, Much it's something better than Bradley to. Cooper's crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we go through life, I mean, the things that really change us are are things we're just not ready for and we're not prepared for. Don't know how to react to. This sells that in a way I did not expect in that first five minutes. So I, I do. Sorry. Awesome. I do think Love it was it. tied up a little neatly though, because like, all right, so like, so oh. Bob dies and, and like him and his girlfriend, and like you know, his best friend's girlfriend, are like, let's get haircuts. I'm like, okay, we get haircuts. And then we go to the funeral and, um, and it's like, okay, I'm in love now and I'm going to be a lawyer. Bingo, bango, and a movie. Like that's, it's that's very, what I said earlier. I agree. Yeah. You, yeah. It's, it's tied up a little too ne neatly. And I don't know about you guys, and this is maybe nitpicking a little bit, but like for me, if I met the love of my life, like the, the most amazing connection I ever had with a stranger in one night, and that also happened to be the night that my, that my friend, my best friend died, poisoned the well, man. It's all over. Like I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to like engage in a relationship with you. I'm going to be a fucking mess and you're going to not really have a good time trying to put me back together. <laughs> yeah. 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 I it mean, it's true, but he's terrible met minimization there. Yeah. He's met someone that finally, I don't know if I'd say understand him, but is willing to kind of see through this veneer. So mm -hmm. maybe he feels close to her and that he can open up to her and live through this with someone finally, as opposed to just having to pretend. Yeah, yes, they do a good job. see the performance, though. But he just, as you described, Travis, you see the performance he gives, and he's devastated. This is his best friend. Yeah. So if it should oh fuck God. him up tremendously, not be like, well, this was the end of the movie, so I should accept this. Bob would want me <laughs> to, you know, practice law in Idaho. Right. If, he, <laughs> if anything, yeah, exactly. If anything, there would be more of a, like, at least temporarily, and they skip over it entirely. There's a whole segment there of emotional distress and dysfunction that could go on for months. And there's right. still like 20 minutes of a movie that actually I wouldn't have mind maybe 15 seeing. We're only an hour, what, hour and a half, hour 40 minutes. It's an hour and 37. Movie, so. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I, yeah. I think there's something there. 
And also they had had a huge, huge fight that they didn't really resolve. They went to the party together, but they didn't resolve it. And as someone who has lost people when you're in a fight with them, I can tell you that fucking haunts you for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, so, so, yeah. So that's something that on one hand, I think they do a great job of showing like a very raw reaction from Lillard when he sees him. But on the other hand, yeah, I think they kind of hit fast forward at the end. Well, how long was that when we get the, like the changed, hi puppy. The changed uh, Steve-O. What's the what's the timeline? And there? it's literally the it's literally at the funeral that he shows up with a with a shaved head, and oh, he's in right. and then he That's sits it. down outside the funeral and like yeah, you know right. does like the wink and nod like hey at the end like from the bench and that's the end of the film. That's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Okay, give me that one. It's. I mean, if you're gonna have a ten minute long monologue from Till Schweiger and then only spend two minutes on this wrap up. That is a, yeah, it's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Hey, it's Dogfest here on the Silver Nine <laughs> Podcast. Hey, Scruffy, how you doing? Uh, I woke him up. Yes, that, I woke it's him a up it's a missed opportunity. I really feel like it is, but it's not. It doesn't ruin the movie. It's just something to consider. We're talking about the movie, we're breaking it down. We got to give it its due and say, hey, hey, you missed an opportunity for you to kind of flesh out your feelings. Because I would assume, sure. unless he wrote this, I really feel like maybe he did lose someone yeah. and he would no- understand the situation. Maybe it was a, st- a side story. Maybe he got this from someone who knew someone. I don't know. Maybe it just made sense or he thought it was like uh, in the script. It would be really cool to have someone named Heroin Bob die from their first experience with a drug. I don't well, know. Well, that's, that's another thing that bothers me. Like you are someone that won't even take Advil. You don't take any pills your whole life until you get Staunch. a headache. Yeah, and then you get Staunch. a headache and you take a fistful of pills like, i don't even know who they are like what they are i found like that was like like i know he's i know he's drunk but like this isn't like being drunk doesn't just undo who you are if you're someone who's phobic about pills you're probably not even good at swallowing pills i've known quite a few phobic pill people and they they you know they could hork down a fucking enchilada in one bite but like you're trying they try and swallow like a an aspirin and they, and they just struggle with it so like i mean i don't know that was that was something else i'm like i didn't doesn't seem in, like keeping with the character. Well, he's making and, terrible faces in that scene, at least, to try to give you <laughs> the impression that he's not happy about any of it. After the reaction that his father gave him, I think they could have added a little more padding in there that said he feels differently about his own choices. So maybe he's mm-hmm. saying, hey, fuck it, I'll take these. Like, what does it matter anyway? I'm going to end up like my father. Something like that could have helped. Well, I think they actually kind of were doing that, but in the other direction, because you do get the sense that, like, you know, he's starting to look at SLC like it's home. He's mm-hmm. falling in love. He's growing up before even uh, Steve-O is. Um, so maybe part of him is like, you know, people take Advil. That's fine. That's a normal thing mm-hmm. to do. So, but they didn't really, you know, so maybe, maybe you know, if they showed like a, a moment of him taking an aspirin before, I don't know, again, maybe I'm being a little nitpicky, but <laughs> it just seemed a little out of keeping with his character. Sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, we've covered yeah. a shitload of ground on this film and uh, anything else? Last call here. Last call. Last call for alcohol. I'm a fucking beggar, man. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Do you wear a shirt that says "fuck you" to a job interview? Well, that's Absolutely. kind of the point, right? Like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got issues. Yeah, oh, how just... bad was that bald cap? This is like next oh, level. Oh yeah, there USA you go. Trash. Yeah. Yes, was, always bothered me. The, it's just the biggest loud. mohawk of all time that can't be supported yeah. even by an endless amount of hairspray because it's a bald <laughs> yeah. cap that is pretty fraudulent. Rough. You're right about that. 
But yeah. <laughs> I love everything they say in that scene. Every, his response to oh, them and everything that they talk about is fucking great. I love. I would just love more of that. I love this generational divide and the and the controversies, the hypocritical nature of so many actions. I, that's what I dig about it. Did you guys notice that uh, we've actually seen the girl that plays Sandy? We've seen her before on the Cinema Nine podcast. Jennifer Lean. Jennifer Lean. She played Davina oh. Vineyard in American History X. She hasn't done a ton of stuff, honestly, but like, yeah, that's her, that's her second appearance on the show. So thank you. Oh, you know, that's so odd you bring that up because that's a movie I was thinking about almost the entire time I'm watching this, too. And it also comes out in 1998. And my biggest issue with that movie is that it spends so much time kind of indoctrinating you into Derek's philosophy yeah. before finally it's like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. What, what, <laughs> and this one kind of does the same thing it kind of gets you into this anti-establishment punk stuff uh, and then only to say like yeah hey, yeah i'm a fucking poser don't don't listen to me i'm full of shit uh the parallel is interesting especially when it's punks versus nazis <laughs> what the fuck is a mod anyway uh, what, uh, what, what's like, the mod modern, squad? modern music modern like fans of modern music they would dress up like that and they would listen okay. to like, english beat i guess and like drive was, that, the mod squad right. the tv show they look like that I don't, know if, I don't. I honestly don't think it has. Any, I don't know if it has anything to do with that whatsoever. But I know that they rode around on mopeds. Like that was like a, a oh, scene yeah. thing. Um, I, yeah, the Mod Squad could be. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I don't know if it is or not. Wow. Okay, fair uh, enough. I'll give you that. I never seen the Mod Squad in real time. So who am I to no say? Yeah, I'm not all sure. All I know is but these I do are know differing people. Mods before you don't really hear much about them these days. But they're, they're all people wearing different uniforms, but they're going through the same shit. That's the bottom line. Yeah, That's they're it. all really all the same. In a lot exactly. Of so, uh, all right. Uh, well, should we make Eric, the rounds? Eric, yeah, yeah I mean, already... Eric already revealed his thoughts. Should we just let him have it? Yeah, go for it, Eric. Couldn't take my eyes off the screen. The script is so, like, sharp and brash and alive. And to portray punk, it's like, how do you portray punk? Like, how do you show it in, like, a, a, a visually? Like, it's pretty much just, like, sp spitting and screaming and swinging and swearing. And he does all that. Like, he films these mosh pits like fucking Terry Malick. Like I loved all that. The direction is not lazy. You're a, it's like a fun participant in these proceedings. Add so some of these diatribes are a little lame, but this is 85, man. Like back then, and even when we were growing up, all we had was music and books and film to help us form these opinions. And nowadays we've got this like nonstop mainstream opinion and information even misinformation so I, I i love everything that's going on here because it it it, it, it lets you think and, it, and you have an experience uh i fucking loved it i i cannot wait to see it again okay uh travis let's go to you next i'm curious i don't know where you're at on this one well like i said this is one that i very much internalized and, and watched a ton when it came out and um you know, and a lot of, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that uh, we hadn't talked about it much, Mike, because I feel like this is like, there, there are some movies that are like, these are our movies. And there's some movies that feel like they're your movies. You know what I mean? This is one of those movies that felt like mine in a way. Like I, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, like I know that there's some people I talked to who liked it as well, but it was like, mm. it wasn't, it was a cult classic, but it wasn't like one that everybody was on board with. And again, it wasn't, I think that was partly because not everybody was like punk rock. So I think that a lot of people that had early, um appreciation for the film were coming from a punk rock background like like us um so i so i think that that's a big part of like why i was really into it 
And I'm happy to have rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I wanted to like get a good sense of, uh, of, of how I feel about it now. And the, um, now Eric, you were saying you thought of a few other, you know, things like, uh, American history X for yeah. me, there's, there's something that kept on going through my head. It wasn't the movie. It was the book, a clockwork orange by Anthony Burgess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought quite a bit about this movie, especially that last chapter that didn't make it into the Kubrick version, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, he just kind of like hangs up his spurs and is like, I'm, you know, I'm a grown ass man now. Who am I fucking kidding? Uh, so, so in a lot of ways, I think this book, I think this movie owes a lot to that book. I think that, I think that there's literal, I think, I mean, I think it's heavily inspired by it. I really do. I'd be, I'd be surprised to learn that he wasn't a fan. Uh, but, but it also maybe I'm reaching here because maybe these are like pretty universal themes and ideas that, you know, fucking Homer probably. Great comparison. About. Um, thanks. Um, but, I think one of the main things of this movie that it's telling you is that um, the time comes to put childish things away. And ironically, for me, this is one of those movies that feels like something that was a little childish that I've put away. Um, You know, I've kind of outgrown the film, I think. It meant a lot to me when I watched it as a kid. Um, It was fun to go back and watch it last night, and I would never sit here and say that's not a good movie. I would never sit here and be like, that's, that's a, this is, a, there's no value to this movie. This movie sucks. I would never say that. Um, I do think that this movie has a, 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 it's worth seeing. I think it's a good movie, but for me, it didn't really hold up as something that I needed to co- come back and rewatch. And I don't think I'm going to come back and rewatch it again anytime soon. Okay. Well, right. it was looking lean in one way and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. The reality strikes. <laughs> high drama, high drama from Travis. Uh, I watch the movie. I watch it all the time. Uh, It's just something I throw on, and uh, it gets less enjoyable for me. I will say that. Uh, It's never quite as good as it was. I mean, when Heroin Bob dies, it's just like, whatever, okay, he's dead now to me. I'm I'm kind of dead from it because I've seen it too many times, which is not an indictment of the film. It's just me. I've seen it too much. Yeah, I think that's partly my problem still. Yeah, and that's fair. But... The debates and the discussions that go on and the internal strife within this film, whether it's from one era or not, doesn't matter to me. Being young is about being ignorant and naive to the same standard routines that most people go through, at least in this culture, in this society. This is a general way of growing up and trying to shake off the things that you like, but you know maybe they're not good for you or maybe that you think you want to be a part of, but then you realize, maybe even later you realize, oh, I didn't want to be a part of that at all, but I didn't have the, uh, you know, it's it's about finding courage within yourself to stand up for the things that you really want to focus on. And, you know, peer pressure is an issue, and there's a lot of great peer pressure in this movie, even though it's not done in the classic way, in my opinion, of how it can be, shown like, oh peer pressure here it is in your face i'm shoving it down your throat it's not like that all the time it's a slow burn sometimes and you feel it without even recognizing it in the moment it might be after the fact so it's a good uh, it's fun it's it, it makes me laugh it's it's really funny to me so the fact that i still laugh and as long as till schweiger's still in it i'm gonna laugh <laughs> so it's gonna hold up for me and that's just how it is but uh I could see you know the points that are all made here are really well done, and I'm glad that it uh, spurred some of the discussion that it did. I, I really didn't know what to think by choosing it, so I'm glad I chose the movie, and 
I'm glad that you got to put it to bed too, Travis. So yeah, I think it was a good choice for the show. I really do. All right. Well, that's all you can ask for in these times. And I'm glad I'm still stunned that Eric loved it, but I'm really glad you did, man. It's great news. So I was fully prepared. I thought Eric was going to fucking hate it. I was fully prepared to hate it. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) The most shocking developments. You were fully prepared to shock to to hate it. That doesn't sound like you. Oh, Shaggy in a movie about punks. This is going to fucking suck. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, we'll talk more about it in two weeks. I'd like to get some more thoughts. Either way, uh, next week's show. We're uh, back to basics, right? Back to yeah, the beginning. Back yeah. to me. Yeah. Back to Travis Roy. Back to me. Um, yeah. So I get the selection of this come for the next episode. Um, now, next episode will come out on the twenty eighth. That makes it very close. Oh boy, the Halloween. Okay. And Mike, while you were gone, obviously we wanted to do a horror film, and we ended up doing Blood Diner, which was fun, but. I'd never seen Blood Diner before. I didn't have any nostalgia for Blood Diner. I'd like to do a horror movie that I know and that I have feelings about. And um, I had actually said recently on this show that I would never choose this film because I know how I felt about it. But I think that given the fact that it's fucking Halloween and I want to pick a movie that I like, and it's actually been a few years since I watched it, so maybe maybe my feelings will have changed. Here it comes. And it gives us a chance to do a director that we haven't done yet, Mr. Frank Darabont. I'm talking about 2007's The Mist. We're doing The Mist. Very excited. Is that based on the video game? No. That's just Mist, M-Y-S-T. The Mist is based (laughs) on the Stephen King novella. M-I-S-T. Mike. M-I-S-T. You've never seen it, have you, Mike? Nope. No, 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 no. Why are you going to sit down? <laughs> I will. Got button ready. They, you know, in the 90s on CD-ROM, Mist was a force. Everybody played that game. It was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, so. yeah it was, well, it was, it was yeah, a big yeah. deal to like, sit in your room and like not be able to finish a game because you were just confused <laughs> and staring at the same screen for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Squeaky, squeaky. Squeaky, squeaky. All right, well, yeah. <laughs> squeaky, yeah, a lot oh, of squeaky mine? toys here. A whole yeah, basket of squeaky toys. You can put them in another uh, room next time. Yeah, all right. Well, there it is. Uh, <laughs> another edition of the Cinema 9 Pod is in the can. Thanks wow. to all of you who participated. Thanks for your commentary. First time viewers, Miles and uh, Randy. Yeah. Sick yeah, you, thank fool. You. That's good stuff. Yeah. Next <laughs> week, we'll do uh, Mist. The Mist? The Mist. The Mist. The Mist. The Mist. Not Mist. Right. Okay. Next week, we'll do The Mist live. And then uh, the week after that, uh, I don't know what we're doing. We're still got to talk about it and figure yeah, it out. But. Uh, we're going to be on a, on sabbatical, but we can still do the show and then record it and post it later. So we'll figure it out. Either way, whatever we do, we'll inform you. Cinnamon Night Pod at ProtonMail.com. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until that day, then, Travis Roy, Eric Branch, and Michael Govier. Fuck you, dear. <laughs> <laughs>